I think you go through things in your life to bring you to a certain point of your paying attention to do and be what you were meant to be. Hi, welcome to the Flare Up Show. You know, life has been insane and I feel like the summertime is always sort of when my brain goes, there's only two months of summer around Canada where I live. Go outside and enjoy it as much as possible, which I have been, um, but I'm also hella busy, which is a good thing. So it's been a little bit of a battle of my mind right now to um, be very focused, but also FOMO. Like (laughs) there's so much I want to do in this short period of time. We have this beautiful weather, but that's all right. These are first world problems. It's very exciting. Today's guest is... (laughs) unbelievable her story is honestly they should make a movie about it um to hear how this person deborah leblanc is her name she owns a company called mind path therapies she has been at the top of corporate boardrooms she has owned a huge company that was wildly successful uh in a in a heavy industry field and then she explored hypnotherapy and it's really really interesting how she got connected to hypnotherapy and i don't want to share too much of her story because i really want you to hear it from her one of my favorite sayings and i say this i think in the podcast as well is that one of my is that adversity doesn't create character it reveals it and i think that she is a walking testimony to that she is who she's always been she was born a strong capable resilient kind focused amazing person and unfortunately which happens sometimes to great people is they go through these massive tests of will of grief of a whole bunch of different things And the way she has weathered on, the way she has overcome, the way she has turned the things that have happened to her into messages of hope for the world is absolutely stunning. And it was such a pleasure to spend time with her. And you're really lucky too, if you're listening to the episode, because she's going to share sort of an intimate moment that she doesn't share very often about sort of when she realized that her resilience would become a story of hope for so many others. And yeah, just that's, I was blown away by this person and I'm just so excited to have her on. So Deborah hails all the way from Lafayette, Louisiana. She's an entrepreneur, a renowned motivational and transformational speaker, a best-selling author, a business strategist, a certified master hypnotherapist, a master NLP practitioner, a certified MER practitioner, and a therapeutic imagery master practitioner. She has spent years studying human behavior and master's techniques needed to change behaviors that no longer serve us. With a broad range of experience and a passion to bring hope to a world swimming in a sea of hopelessness and confusion. Her unique style touches and transforms individuals and corporations so they become capable of reaching heights they never thought possible. So please welcome to the Flare Up Show, Deborah LeBlanc. 
But first, a message from our affiliate. From feeling broken and ashamed to unlocking potential and transforming your life, it is possible, as you'll see in Transformation Coach Christina Foxwell's new book, The Glass Angel. Foxwell shares her story of breaking free from shame and fear and finding hope, love and freedom and guide you to do the same. Get your copy of The Glass Angel, a guide to freedom, peace, transformation and growth by Christina Foxwell at ignitepurpose.com.au. That's ignitepurpose.com.au. Hi, and welcome. I'm so excited because I have a beautiful guest, Deborah LeBlanc, on all the way from Louisiana in the U.S. And I don't want to do the talking. I want her to do the talking. So tell us, Deborah, a little about you, where you live, what you're known for, and what are your areas of expertise? Oh, my word. You asked for a lot, Chrissy, in one short period of time. You know, I'm an old broad, all right? So, like, there's a lot of material under what you asked. But I am from Louisiana, born and raised. I'm um, I'm Cajun. Mm -hmm. I've traveled my roots all the way to the Grand Arrangement, which happened in 1755. So I, I'm I'm a thoroughbred. Yes. Whether that's good or bad, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> <laughs> and as for what I'm known for, um, it depends on who you ask, really, because yeah. um, those who knew me. In school, growing up, I was raised by um, by the from the time I was eight to sixteen. I was raised by my mom. Um, had a younger brother and sister. She was she was an undiagnosed manic depressive, mm. and she'd have very serious bouts of rage, which would uh, result in verbal and physical abuse, basically on me. And but it really taught me how to watch people, what to look for, because she was always like a, like a, um, a steamer that, you know, whose, whose top starts popping when it's starting to bubble over. <laughs> I could see when that explosion was about to happen and I would hide my brother and sister so that, because she didn't just hit with her hands. She used broomsticks, anything she'd get her hands on yeah. pots. It didn't matter. Um, so I spent um, all of those years really as a loner at school. I didn't have friends. Um, I didn't want people to know about my mother, know about the bruises I carried all year. Um, and so, I, and I was all right with that. I got married at 16, um, not because I had to, because I thought I knew what I was doing. Yeah. And... <laughs> But I've now granted now from the time I was eight until I got married, I'd been cleaning house, cooking, taking care of brother and sister. My mother put me to work, in fact, at 14 years old in a donut shop from 11 at night till seven in the morning. And that then I would get back home, dress for school, off to school, back, clean house, cook, try to sleep for a couple of hours before I had to go to work, you know, and get my homework done in the middle of all that. So it was a pretty jam-packed, uh, kind of chaotic childhood. Um, I, I had three daughters before I came to the realization, when you get married that young, that's what happens. Realization does pop in uh, from its head from time to time, um, that I married a male version of my mother. Oh, he yes. wasn't physically abusive. He was verbally and emotionally abusive. And so I stopped that quick, fast, and in a hurry. Uh, and now, during the time I was having my children, 
trying to keep this family working, making it work. Because look, I'm Catholic and I'm Cajun. That is a <laughs> guilt on top of guilt and that on top of guilt. Yeah. So we're I'm trying to make this family work. <clears throat> I went back, I went back to school, got my degree in marketing, and I knew that if these children were not going to wind up in on welfare like I was raised. Because we finally, uh, when my mother and father separated, we had to move on into the projects. So I was known as a PK kid, not a preacher's kid. No. They, they don't have those around here. Because in Acadiana, Anna, they're 99% Catholic. So when they say preacher, they're going, huh? That's you got to say father, yeah. you know, father, priest, whatever. Um, so that was another stigma that it carried. Anyway, uh, after my three daughters had grown um, I had gone to work in the oil field. That was the prevalent uh, industry here in Louisiana by the time I graduated and and in marketing. I knew I had to do something because the man that I married back then was could not take criti criticism, even constructive criticism. He was always fighting with people he worked for, so he didn't hold the job very long. Oh. And... I knew I had to do something. I wanted to give my daughters every opportunity life had available. If they were interested in something, how do you know if you're not, you know, the next, I don't know, Barishnikov? You don't know unless you really have the tools to yeah. kind of throw yourself out there, right? I agree. I wanted that for them. Um, because my three goals in life when I was a kid was I wanted to be Superman, a nun, or a psychiatrist. <laughs> well, Superman, I figured out from falling out of a tree and ripping my arm open, that didn't work. A nun was, well, that was, that flew out the window. And a psychiatrist, by the time I got to the place I am right now, I thought, you know, I'll be getting my doctorate once they bury me. They'll yeah. put it on top of my tombstone. So um, anyway, I, I, I let me digress here. I went to work for an oil field company. Yeah. And the transportation company, they were dual. Mm -hmm. And within five years became the executive vice president of their transportation division. I was the first female executive VP in transportation in the United States. Um, I left them 12 years later to start my own company, a company that didn't exist in the world. Yeah. It was monitored fuel, underground fuel tanks. I knew retailers were being robbed by transportation companies and by suppliers, fuel suppliers. So I needed, I wanted to be the traffic cop that would orchestrate the, the deliveries. And I created that company and it ran well for 25 years. Uh, and in the middle of, midst of all that, I wrote 15 novels. Um, so I am a published author and uh, just dealt with a divorce. Um, eventually met the man who I call the life in my life. He is the most wonderful human being on the planet. And if there is ever someone that would teach courses on how a man should love his wife, yeah. this man should give those lessons. And he's from New York and New Jersey for all, for heaven's sake, you would think, right? From I'm from the South. Yeah. A Yankee of all things, <laughs> but, um, it, it worked beautifully. Thank God for that. And, or, you know, why, whether somebody believes in God, Buddha, Captain Crunch, I don't care. It, <laughs> it's, it's the higher power of what may be that creates us all, all of this energy that we call life. Mm -hmm. um, that's what I'm thankful for. Yes. Him and my, and 
after 25 years in business, tragedy really struck. Like I hadn't been through enough, right? Um, I lost a three-year-old grandbaby um, to, it was, it's an acronym similar to SIDS, but it's applicable from three to five years old. Uh, her mother found her dead in her crib. Uh, she called me hysterical. I couldn't understand what she was saying, but I heard her name, my granddaughter. And that's all I needed to hear. I rushed in, I got in, jumped in my car, took off. She Luckily, she only lived about five miles away, four or five miles. And when I stepped in, I saw the baby laying on a pillow on a rug in the living room, motionless. This Now, she was um, autistic. She'd never spoken, but she was very active. There was no way she was just laying there. I ran over to her and realized she wasn't breathing. And her little fingertips had already turned blue. Um, I made certain my daughter recalled 911 because it yet to come. And while they were waiting for them to arrive, I was doing CPR. The worst, to me, life's was one of life's cruelest jokes is when you are breathing into a baby's mouth and you see their little chest rise and then fall and then rise and fall with your every breath. But the moment you stop, so does their chest. Um, that almost destroyed me. She, I was very, very close to her. Mm-hmm. Four months later, I lost her mother, who was my youngest daughter, into a, in a fiery car crash. I didn't even get to see her body. A year later, I lost my middle daughter to alcoholism. This was due to my ex, who had by that time, in fact, two weeks after I moved out of the house, I gave him the house. I said, you can have everything. I, I started from dirt. In the beginning, made it, started again, made it, and baby, until they put some concrete over my head, I'm going to keep doing that, Mm -hmm. right? So he had moved on with some alcoholic ex-convict in Florida. So you go ahead, do your thing. He cut all ties with his family. And when he cut ties with my middle daughter, it just caused her to go downhill. She started drinking heavily. And... We got her into AA. She was really doing well. And then her sponsor committed suicide. When her sponsor committed suicide, she just started closet drinking. And we found her unconscious, brought her to the emergency room. And when you hear code blue and they called your daughter's room number, you know that that TV stuff is too surreal. It's too surreal. So after now... Not long after that, I lost my father, who was my best friend, aside from my husband, my new husband. And um, then I lost my younger brother, my younger brother, to lung cancer. Oh, my goodness. And after all of these deaths, I just put the brakes on in my entire life. And I said, what are, what are you doing with your life? Yeah. What are you doing? I knew why I was working, why I created a company. I did provide financially for my children. Well, what did that create? <laughs> Look, I've lost two. I had my oldest daughter left and I was thankful for that. But I said, I don't want to keep this space going and take the chance of if I'm not paying attention, whoever thou shall be, I I want to pay attention right now. All right. Lead me where I need to go. Yeah. I sold my company. And one day I, I was contemplating, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? I don't do retirement. Never will do retirement. What are you going to do? Well, we, I started investigating. There was some project my husband was working on that 
I needed to find out how many loads of crushed concrete would I need to fill in a driveway that's a mile long and X feet wide. And I'm as I type that into Google, Mr. Google, I come up with HMI, the college of the only accredited college of hypnotherapy mm-hmm. in the United States. And I went, what, what? But I have this little radar thing that goes up yeah. in my head when I, I'm supposed to pay attention. Yeah. So I looked at, and I started, I got lost in it. I said, my heart started beating faster and it was just confirmation that I, bam, I'd hit it. This is where I was supposed to go. So I jumped into um, hypnotherapy, became a clinical hypnotherapist which is different than a regular hypnotherapist and very different than a hypnotist who can get a piece of paper over a weekend. I have a degree in mind-body psychology. And what I wanted more than anything was to help people, Mm -hmm. as many people as possible. I wanted to offer hope in a world that seemed to be spiraling down this thing of hopelessness. You know, I saw... My my middle daughter spiraled down into hopelessness. Anybody, and I, even though I had been through so much in my own personal life, I understood so much from so many different perspectives. So I became specialized in 59 presenting, different presenting issues so that I knew what I was doing from, you know, like the back of my hand and the palm of my hand, which I do know very well. And let's see, as... So I, it was really all of that leading up to where I am right now. I think you go through things in your life to bring you to a certain point of if you're paying attention to do and be what you were meant to be. The past, you can't ever, you can't go back and change it. Mm-hmm. And when you bring the past with you into today, it's like letting somebody live in your house rent free. You know, why do that? Tomorrow hasn't happened yet, but if I pay attention to today, I can really affect something and maybe someone, if nothing more than to smile at someone who's trudging through a grocery store and just, you know, smiling. So few people do that today. And, but I really wanted to change lives. I really did. Mm -hmm. So that, that kind of is my, my story in a very fast what, 10 minutes? Yeah. 15? I mean, there's so much there to unpack. And I would love to know, because I I have a saying that I love that, you know, adversity doesn't create character, it reveals it. And obviously there's something in you that was very different than your mother or the people in your life or even the tragedies that have happened around you that you clung to that hope somehow. And uh, you were you have been through hell, right? So it's not like you coasted through it or danced through all that stuff. It, you went through a process, but you always chose hope. How, where did that come from? Where do you think that was instilled in you or were you just born that way? Or is that just part of your purpose, you think? I think it started when I was six. This is, and I'm going to share this. I don't share this with a lot of people because one, it sounds kind of wacky, I but love I love it. my mother, I was sitting outside uh, under the carport of our home and my mother and father, my mother was fighting. My father was not a yeller or screamer. He just ducked because my mother threw things, you know, 
And I could hear dishes crashing against the wall and crashing and crashing and her screaming and yelling and just, you know, shuffling around the kitchen. I knew my dad was dodging. Yeah. And I was sitting on the porch with my hand, my elbows on my knees and just had my hands kind of splayed over my face crying. I was crying. I just wanted it to stop. And at the corner of my eye, now I was very wide awake. We're talking noon, one o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, in the afternoon, out of the corner of my eye, I spot something bright white. It was so white I'd never seen white like that before. And so I I looked up suddenly, and I saw this figure walking toward me. I could only see it from say about chest level down. Mm-hmm. I couldn't see there. I knew it was a him, but I could not see his face. It was a it was a brilliant white robe uh, is the best way I can describe it. And around his waist was a sash that was about, well, what, what is that? About six inches wide mm-hmm. in gold that sparkled like the sun. It was hard to look at. And it was lapped over one side. And his feet were, were now, you know, in the summertime, I'm usually extremely tan, but he was brown skinned. Uh, almost Native American brownish um, and wore brown sandals on his feet. So contrast to the brilliant that I, brilliance that I was looking at in what he wore. Mm-hmm. And just something inside of me clicked and I ran to him and grabbed him around the legs and I said, please take me home. Please take me home. And I've got my face buried in this white that had, it had, I don't know how to describe the smell. I've not smelled anything like it since. It was, you see, the word heavenly comes to mind, but that sounds so cliche-ish, but it did. It was just an, a scent I will never forget, but can't explain. Words don't describe it. And I felt a hand rest on top of my head. That hand covered my entire head. Mm. And in my mind's eye, I got a glimmer of a tear streaming down a tan man's face. And I heard him say, there's much for you still to do here. It's not time for you to come home. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I was standing in that carport by myself going, what, what, (laughs) what? And from, from that moment on, I was able to take the abuse. I was able to take and take and take because I saw my mother not as a mother she should have been, but as a woman who was sick yes. and didn't have the care she needed. I saw my brother and sister as two people, two little people that needed protecting. And if that was the only way I had to protect him, then that's what I was going to do. So all of it boiled down, I guess. If I really boiled it down, was from that particular thing. Now, how does that help anybody else? Well, granted. Because, look, I can't say, look, you're going to have a vision one day um, because I haven't had it since. No. But I knew that it was, you know, it was time to move on. There was a suicide attempt at that in in that whole story, but I'm not going to get into that right now. Um, You grow in in learning that you can't control what somebody says or does. You can only control your response to it and what you take away from it. Mm -hmm. If you understand that you were born unique, 
there is only one individual like you. I mean, that's so cliche-ish. It makes you want to, but you are so unique that there is not another being on this, in this universe. I would be bold enough to say the universe um, with the same DNA structure, cell structure, molecular structure. There isn't. But all of that is is motivated by your mind. It's all motivated. It's all energized. It can be healed. It can be destroyed by your mind. Mm -hmm. So if you're carrying around the past and all that trauma, how can I live the full me I was always meant to be? Yeah. How do I even know who that was or who that is? For the longest time, I could not use the name Deborah. People called me Debbie because when my mother went into a rage, she called me Deborah. Yes. So it's when I let go and took hold of that name that I became free, truly free and married the wonderful man I am now. I am married to now who isn't afraid to hear my dreams, no matter how grandiose they may seem to him. He's well, he's well grounded. He supports everything I do. And I'm so fortunate to have that, you know, but it's got to start with you. It has to start with you. You've got to let go of this victimization and, uh, and you're not a victim. You're not a victim. Those were experiences put in your life path for a reason, yep. for a reason, even tragedy, even tragedy. There is, you know, they say that there are five stages to, to grief, but it's actually a six. Six is when you can understand the purpose behind that major loss. That when you come to accepting that purpose, your life takes on a whole new meaning. That was a long answer to a short question. <laughs> no, and I really, I can't tell you how grateful I am that you shared that with me. We have, I have not the same experience, but have had similar experiences being embraced or or whatever. And it, it really touched me emotionally. Also, when you mentioned your name, my oldest changed their name because of, they couldn't handle hearing their birth name because it was always said to them with anger and disappointment from other adults in their life. And it was so cutting so they haven't gotten back to where they can embrace that name yet. And that's okay. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's going to be their choice, whatever, but, um, but thank you because that does make a difference, right? Like it's, it does. It, makes it truly does. Yes. Yes. I, I want to talk a little bit about your career stuff and then I want to get into your modalities but you, I also have a background in heavy industry. So I'm a health and safety professional. I worked, I started my career in trucking, then heavy construction. Then I oh, wow. Yeah. So very like male dominated, <laughs> um, yep. heavy, heavy, tough industries, right? Um, how, and now you're in something. So and I, what I loved is that you were searching for gravel and whatever the universe was like, no more heavy, no more heavy. Right. Right. And right. Like, no, not even going to let you find gravel on the Internet anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought when you said that. I'm like, oh, so curious <laughs> how things work out that way. Right. Like, no, this is not for you. You don't need to. See <laughs> uh, <laughs> but can you I think 
especially as a female and industries are changing a little bit now and I shouldn't speak for everybody or stereotype, but I am sure in that journey, you also had some maybe limiting beliefs, maybe even some imposter syndrome, which can sometimes be reinforced with some of the gaslighting and other things that happen in industries where you don't quite look the same as everybody else um, or rejection sensitivity. How did you, did that like, tell me about that. Tell me about your experience as a person in those industries and how it's sort of, I guess the same thing. It's that fortitude, but how did you respond in a way? Like I would imagine because you were so successful in the industry, you also paved some transformation in some of those organizations as well towards a more inclusive, diverse uh, thought system. True. True. Um, I was really surprised by it at first because I don't see when I meet a person, I'm not really seeing male or female color of their skin. It's a human being. Right. (laughs) And so I was surprised by this when I, I, because I started off in all field sales and it, which was very heavy male dominated. The few women who were in it were very low cut blouses, very short skirts, five inch heels. And baby, I'm not that. I'm not (laughs) riding that rodeo. Okay. I thought if you can't accept what I know and how it can help you increase your bottom line, then you don't need my services. You don't need my product. Right. I am. And so I wore box box, just straight cut box cut stuff. And I just kept knocking. Kept, I didn't care about rejection. I've been rejected all my life. Phew, who do you think you are? Uh, you know, that was low level stuff, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> I, wasn't, I was rejected by my mother. What are you I, talking yeah, about? Beat that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't bother me at all. I just kept beating at it, beating at it, beating at it. And being consistent and persistent. And my father told me something when I was very young, because I, when he was one I'd talk to um, when they split up and I I could always find him, always find him. He never came looking for you, but if you look for him, he stopped whatever he was doing and gave you time. Um, He always said, he said, you can be whatever you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do in life. As long as you put your mind to it, you're willing to sacrifice for it and work hard. You can do anything. Male, it doesn't matter who's doing that job now. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you're female, male, what. And that's what I took. He didn't, he didn't say it that way. You know, whether you're male, female, but he just said, you can, you can do whatever you want, be whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And I took that as gospel and just said, all right. So there's a male, male, male thing going on. You know, one guy would buy another guy a shotgun for Christmas from their company to his company. Mm-hmm. Right. And I was not playing that game either. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to make you shine in front of your, either as a business owner, I make you shine in profits or I'm going to make you shine to your boss by the phenomenal job you're doing in bringing in profits to that company. Aside from that, the rest is BS. It was BS. It's short lived, this short run. And what happens when that person winds up leaving the company, you got to start buying and, and tramping up 
for somebody new? Mm-hmm. No, 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 thank you. That's how I got over it. I didn't know it existed. For <laughs> is that naive or what? No, it's good. I think it's it's good, and I think it's funny. One of my therapists at one time said, "You know, it's it's almost a curse that you're so self aware because you know it's unhealthy behavior or thoughts, but you still think them and do them because this is just who your story, right?" Like, I'm like, yeah, I, I, can I just be like naive and optimistic, like, or just like not know this stuff? Like, I just like, I want to have both, right? So self awareness and the execution part, which is happening now in my life, definitely. But it was a little bit of a journey, um, because I just had so many people saying like, no, I don't like that version of you, but this is who I am, right? It took me a long time to get over the idea of rejection. I'm not sure why, but um. So let's say someone, so you're working with people, how do they start to recognize? Because I, I think as well, there are also lots of people out there that are not self-aware so that they are dealing with limiting beliefs. They're languaging things that are actually hurting them in the long run. They're, they are more sensitive to rejection than they're actually aware of, right? Like they're they're reacting in ways, but they're not really digging to the root. Um, how, how do you get, how do people start to recognize those patterns and be like, oh, there's a different way of doing things. I think one of the first steps that is the most obvious is to be comfortable with silence. Yeah. If you pay attention to the world around you, everybody's got a TV on, the radio's blaring, either they're on in the car, in the house, there is not a moment of silence until you decide you're going to fall asleep. How are you going to find anything or anybody, much less yourself, in all that noise? If you stay quiet and see people are afraid of quiet, because that's when you really find roots that sometimes are really hard pulling. They're hard to pull out, you know, because it hurts. But that's where you find them is being comfortable with the silence. And you do that little by little by little. Um, And as a hypnotherapist, one of the things that I get people especially people that suffer with things like some chronic pains, migraines, IBS. A lot of that is dealing with stress and anxiety. So the first thing I teach them is how to center themselves and relax and relax and relax and give them anchors that will immediately take them there so that once they do that, they can kind of, it's like I can grab hold of myself and go, all right, I'm not the situation. I'm me reacting to the situation so i can change whatever response um we either are going to fly off in a fight flight or freeze i don't want to do any i want to i want to fly at something with spread open wings a clear sight and that's it and the only way is to face the ugly sometimes mm-hmm. so it hurts so did somebody, you know, put a big gash in your arm, you know, that's going to hurt. Take doing stitches and afterwards going to hurt, but it eventually will heal. But until you pull that sucker out, you belong to somebody else. You don't belong to you. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or if you use coping mechanisms or don't address the root, it's like sitting on attack and taking an Advil for the pain. Like, let's get that tack out. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Take the tack out your butt. I love that. That's yeah. right. <laughs> um, <laughs> so do you, 
Is it just because there is more awareness around this topic? Or do you think there is a growing trend or like people are like, wow, I like people are starting to realize how much their their thinking has, you know, had cause and effect in their life. Like, is there more self-awareness or is there a bigger challenge in the world going on today? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't seem like 20 years ago, people were really sort of understanding and processing the stuff. And now you hear about it a lot. Um, is there an epidemic of people's low self-worth or is this actually the healing stage for the world? Well, if you look at the generations that you're talking about, you're talking about baby boomers <clears throat> and not early baby boomers, mid to late baby boomers and millennials, right? Yeah. They're dealing with stress on major stress in both levels. What they're looking at in the world is seeing negative, negative, and more negative. Some there, I think too many, a lot more people are putting the brakes on and saying, this cannot be all there is to life. Yes. So they're seeking, looking at what is going to make me happy in spite of what government does or what the state does or blah, 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 blah. How can I be self-sufficient? How can I be self-happy? How can I be self-this, self-that? So that once you understand that, then you can give out freely. You have so much that is, for example, you have so much that is Chrissy, it overflows to everybody else, which makes them smile and happier and want to look for healing. Mm -hmm. So look at, find you to the point where you're overflowing to somebody else so that they're, they're sparked with enthusiasm to find themselves so they can overflow. I th I just think we're just too much drama. I don't think it's an, a, an effect of just an epidemic of self-awareness. I think it's an epidemic of bad news. And that's all that's drilled in our minds. Mm -hmm. One political party over another political party. Who cares? I, the, the best person for the job, right? It, it, and depending on what your opinion is, I don't even talk politics or religion to anybody unless they ask. Yeah. And then, I, <laughs> <laughs> then I do have some very specific opinions. And I have to admit, Chrissy, <laughs> that age aging is a blessing because the older you get, the more you feel the freedom to speak out. I have earned my stripes. I've earned my my stripes, my stars, my scars. My, in fact, my book. Um, I have a book coming out that's called "Wish Upon a Scar." Wish upon a scar. I love. Wish upon a scar and. I have earned those to speak my mind. If I'm cognizant of the fact that whatever's coming out of my mouth will heal and not harm. Yes. 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 I love that. Um, so let's talk a little bit about your practice. So you use a variety of modalities. Can you tell us a little bit about what you actually do, how people find you, sort of how your work goes with them? I deal with everything from um, asthma and allergies from A to W, writer's block. Um, that, I mean, at last count, I was at 63 different, um, specialized in 63 different um, presenting issues. Modalities that I use is I do use some tapping. I do use some EFT. Um, and... 
I do IEMT as well, but limited. Hypnotherapy, especially imagery, uh, I find for someone of any any suggestibility is the biggest healing tool I've, I've seen in my practice so far. Mm. How people can reach reach me, they can just go to the website. I actually give away a, 15, a free 15-minute consultation so you can talk to this wild woman face-to-face and see who you're dealing with and let me hear your story. And then we just take it from there. That's amazing. And you mentioned visioning, which I really like, because you have a quote about vision is the ability to talk about the future with such clarity. It's as if we're actually talking about the past. And you're such a testimony to that about keeping a vision with certainty, even when the evidence in front of you appears to be the opposite of what you're actually creating. So can you share a little bit? I think again, once again, it was, um, it's, I have been working really hard to try to find the words to put to this. It's a gut thing I have. For example, when I left the company I was working for to start my own, a company that did of this type that did not exist in the world yet. I had no benchmark to go by. I was leaving a six figure a year salary to go to zero. People thought I'd lost my mind, but there was just something in my heart, in my gut, in my mind, all three lined up and just said, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, own it, do it, own it. And I, it was so strong. In fact, I'll share this with you. When I first became executive VP, there was a different parking area, which bothered me. The executives got to park in one place, which was very convenient, and everybody else had to park in the back. Mm. I I kept parking in the back until the president of the company said, I want you parking in the front. The first day I pulled up and parked in the front, this voice said in my head, you will not be here long. Mm-mm. And it wasn't long. It wasn't long, um, you know, well, 10 years later, uh, which is not long in the lifespan. 10 years later is when I created my own company and it it just exploded from there way, way beyond my wildest expectation. But see, in the middle of that 10 years, I was writing novels as well. So. Because you just know, right? You get those vibrations. You know. Are like, they're either going to be in harmony or they're going to just be like bouncing off each other. And that's where you. They will bounce off of each other. It's it's really hard to put into words. It's I call it sometimes an antenna goes up. All things are aligned. You know, my head, my heart, my mind, my gut, and um, and my gut could stand to lose a few. But you know, it's when all of those things are aligned, and I've done my research. I'm doing it responsibly. Responsible leaving a six figure a year job does not sound like that's being responsible, but. I did not start that company with zero. I did not go to the bank for a loan. I started doing consulting work in transportation and in funeral service, believe it or not. That's another whole story. Um, In funeral service, where I actually did embalmings, helped with autopsies, learned the funeral service business. um, And through those consultations, paid for the growth of my fuel inventory management company. So 
just when you have it right, everything falls into place that just brings you. You have to take the step, though. You do. It won't. Okay, I'm going to say it falls in your lap. HMI fell in my lap. It was on the computer. But I was searching for gravel, for heaven's sake. If I hadn't been paying attention. (laughs) if If I hadn't been paying attention, I could have just skated right by it, right? Yeah. So it's pay attention to what is around you in the moment. Pay attention. And then the, all the signs, everything you need will just happen. They will. Yes. Not always easy, but definitely you see it. And it gets feels like it gets easier every time you take a right step and you trust yourself. Yes. I just think the world yes. would be such a much better place if we all just trusted ourselves like we knew ourselves, right? That's really where... Yes. That's where we have to start. <laughs> yes. Yes. See, one thing I knew, um, one thing I knew about myself, I could dig a ditch. I knew how to dig a ditch. <laughs> it, I was not going to starve. My children were growing up and they were going on their own, but I, I was not going to starve. I don't eat much. One. And two is I can dig a ditch if I need to. Yes. I'm not going to stand by the road with a sign, you know, well, you know, God bless you. Give me, give me money. No, I'm not. I'm not. I can dig a ditch. And that's how what I tell myself every time I make a new move. You can dig a ditch. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I think what's really interesting, there's been times in my life, and I see this with a lot of successful people like yourself, right? Like, even if you do take what looks to others like a step backwards, it's really not. It's really just a, it's still a step towards. It just doesn't look like it at the moment because you still have to create income you still have to put food on the table and these things just also if you're in the spot that you're like I'm sure if you were digging a ditch you'd be like this is going to make me work much harder at hypnotherapy right (laughs) whatever it meant yeah Yeah. yes yes yeah yes I can say that when you when you start listening to yourself paying attention to yourself and trusting yourself believing in yourself yes it's amazing what the universe, God, whatever you call it, is what the, what's thrown at you. Yes. Good, good, you know, because you're open to it. You're open to receive it. You're taking steps, whatever steps look like. I'm uh, just take them. Yeah, absolutely. I love it when people say things like, "But what will people think?" I don't know. What do you think? I don't care. Your action. What do you think about this? Right. So it really absolutely. Yeah. I knew what people thought about the way I dressed. I mean, look, I when I was raised in the projects, I wore glasses. I was the kid with the tape around the middle of her glasses. Because when they broke, we couldn't afford a new pair. Absolutely. I didn't care what people thought. I already knew what they thought. Okay. I grew past that. Yeah. You cannot, I'm going to honestly say, you cannot throw anything more at me that I've not already gone through. (laughs) Doggone it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and it was just saying look i really didn't mean that okay don't test me on that yeah, theory, yeah. but <laughs> you are definitely a beacon of light and hope and you just have a just a great smile you just like embody happiness through all this and just you're just an incredible testimony from the tests that you've gone through so thank you so much for sharing so openly with us today oh. Really Thank you for having me. Yeah. Is there any last thoughts or wisdom or anything that you might like to leave the audience with? I would like to leave 
your audience and with you is that I wish you a thousand times more the success than you could ever dream for yourself. Thank you. Thank you again, Deborah. I get emotional <laughs> just even listening to you again. And I really hope that all of you have been as touched as I have been. And please go check her out, mindpaththerapies.com. Information is in the show notes. Please go find her, reach out to her, connect to her on social media. Uh, go get her books and just really, really soak her all in. She's amazing. I am very excited to announce that I am hosting my very first women's retreat. And it's aimed at women in leadership, but leadership doesn't necessarily mean a title. So yes, of course, if you are a CEO, an entrepreneur, a solopreneur, preneur, uh, uh, you know, senior manager, executive, whatever, we definitely want you there and you are going to find this to be the most powerful, purposeful retreat you've ever been on. Uh, but also maybe you lead a family, maybe you lead yourself really well. Maybe you just need a break and to learn a little more about yourself and how you interact with the world around you. So pause the purposeful retreat for women in leadership is going to be October 20th to the 22nd, 2023 at Pinewood Lodge at, uh, across from Dorothy Lake in the White Shell in Manitoba. So you're going to want to fly into Winnipeg and then we can arrange transportation for you or you can rent a car or get there yourself. It's totally up to you. We'll figure it out. It is very limited space. We only have spots for just over 20 women to join us this year. I'm hoping that this will be an annual event, but of course that depends on how well it goes this year. Uh, did you know that 50% of women are already experiencing burnout in the corporate world? And 25% of women are already trying to figure out how to either retire early, downsize their career into something more not leadership, uh, <laughs> or leave the workforce altogether because they're just so tired. Because we just have this different expectation that we don't just have to be great at work. We have to also lead our homes, lead ourselves, lead our children, lead our families, lead the housework. All these things get pushed on us. We don't get the privilege of just enjoying a singular thing of leadership. We don't get to just be like, well, I just get to do work today because that's just not how our lives often work. There's a lot of other stuff that goes on. And I, I understand that that is definitely growing towards the masculine population as well. Um, but it's really women that I want to speak to this retreat. And I have the amazing Dr. Patley Creary joining me. And we're going to be doing disc behavior analysis. You get a full profile. It's included part of the retreat. All your food accommodations are taken care of. We're going to do a little bit of yoga and a little bit of meditation type walking in nature. And we're also going to be doing a program called Grow Me um, Best Fit which is learning how your personality interacts with the world around you and how to make sure you are creating the best fit possible for you in all aspects of your life. Pat Lee is gonna spend a few workshops on building resilience, overcoming conflict, learning how to pause, learning how to recharge, to restore, 
to keep your energy up even when life is throwing a billion things your way. So I hope you take a look. I will uh, put the link in the show notes as well. But if you go to ignitepurpose.co slash pause, P-A-U-S-E, you'll be able to find all the information and to register there. We're also looking for sponsorships. So if you have a company or a business that really caters to women and executive women and women in business, please let us know if you'd be interested in opportunities. We have a few different areas that we would really, really appreciate some assistance in making sure it pulls off really, really easily. So the women can really just focus on having a great, powerful and purposeful uh, time off uh, away from their families. So let's pause the purposeful retreat. I'll put the link in the show notes. I'd love to see you. And as far as the next episode, not sure. That's, that's what I mean when I said the beginning of this, this episode, it's summertime and, <laughs> and I finally feel like I'm back to myself. I finally feel like, huh, I am where I was last summer and actually probably even actually a little healthier in some ways. Um, as far as long COVID, I still get the odd day of shakes or I can hear, I can have the odd night where it's hard to fall asleep to wind down my brain and I can sort of hear it doing its thing every once in a while. Um, but as far as energy, it's back to normal. As far as um, headaches and tremors, all back to normal. My memory is still not the greatest, but it's getting back to normal. And I'm strong. I'm stronger than I was last year. I have been able to lift weights and exercise regularly. I'm back on the trails. I am back doing all sorts of amazing things uh, with my body and with my time and with my family. And I'm just so, so, so thankful (laughs) for all the opportunities around me right now. And honestly, I would say that's where I get overwhelmed now. It's not even like, what, what could I do? What can I do? It's now like, out of all these options, what am I going to pick? And that is crazy. I remember thinking last year, well, I remember someone saying to me last year when I was sort of at the the bottom of all the issues that were happening and I was so depressed and uh, I had received another rejection letter. And this person said, you know, one day, Chrissy, you're gonna have so many opportunities, you're gonna be turning things down. And I couldn't see it. And now I do because that is exactly what is happening now. And I'm super, super, super grateful. All right, everybody, go check out Ignite Purpose if you haven't. That's my new baby, my new company in Canada, which was actually founded in Australia originally by the amazing Christina Foxwell, who also has an episode on this podcast. And um, so check us out. We do podcasts and things there too. Lots of great things for personal growth, mental fitness, leadership development, um, team building, coaching, consulting, all those types of things. It's been awesome. Um, so yeah, thanks for listening to this episode. And again, don't forget to check out Deborah LeBlanc at her website, mindpaththerapies.com. <laughs>